Well, to begin, you know, I've, I've got a, a flashlight up here. We talk about lights, and, and uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, flashlights, they give light. And you say, well, what do you have to do to get the light? Well, you just turn it on. The problem is it's not giving any light. And uh, you might be thinking, oh, I, I know what the problem is. Well, it needs batteries. This is right here, Energizer. It needs batteries, and it doesn't have a battery. I can solve that problem because I've got some batteries here, and you know, all I've got to do is I've got a, a, a AAA battery, and I'll throw it in here and put on the top, and next thing you know, it's still not giving light. And, and you say, okay, what's the problem? Well, maybe a AAA isn't right, so okay, well, let me change that, and so I'm going to take a, uh, I've got a, just make sure I write, I've, tried to, I've got a C and I've got a AA, and, and if I'm just going to put these on here, and, and uh, that should certainly work. I mean, I've got, I've got combinations here, and, and, uh, and it isn't working. Well, I've got to put the top on right first, and, you know, but even if, even if I do that, you know, we say, okay, it still doesn't work. I should be getting light. You say, what's the problem? When you might be thinking, well, no, the problem is, is that, you know, you're putting a C and a, and a double A in a battery that requires, well, what does it require? Well, that may be the problem is that I'm sitting here and the fact of the matter is, is what if I don't know what it requires? What if I'm just walking through life and trying to find light, I'm trying to find direction, and I'm not really sure what it requires. And, and I can try different things that I put in here. You know, I might say, hey, I want to put in fun. I want to put in alcohol. I put it in, I shake it up, and oh, it doesn't help me to see. It's just a little more blurry. Uh, or, or no, okay, I can put in relationships, and I can try to fill that up. And, and it may seem to work for a little while, but in the long run, what I realize is that can't be my light. Actually, I need some other kind of light to give me direction on how to have those relationships. Otherwise, they become broken. I can have hobbies, and well, that can be a good distraction, but it's not light. Or I can put business success, and, and I work hard, and I try to succeed in business, and, and all I find now is that I'm tired, and I might have success here, but I'm actually struggling in other areas. And so if none of these things work, then what do I have to put in the light in my life, in a sense, to make it work? See, we know that in life we need direction. We need to find the right path, and if we put the wrong things in, we're going to continue to struggle in the darkness. We're going to stumble. And at times in that darkness, we may stub our toe with the consequences of a bad decision, or we might trip and break our leg and big consequences over a really bad decision. Or we might just continue to struggle through life and to say in that struggle of life, we're having difficulty understanding even where to go. And if we tried all the answers that we can think of, you know, how do we find hope? Well, maybe it's in Christmas and we think, okay, well, is there hope here? Can we come and find hope? Well, in what? In traditions? And sometimes that's where we tend to look for our hope. Think about all the traditions. For many of us, we have all kinds of traditions, and those traditions may be things that we remember from Christmas's past, and it makes us think of people or happy memories. And, and so we love to go back to those things like Christmas trees or maybe Santa Claus and how gifts were delivered. Or many people maybe hang stockings over their fireplace. And, uh, you know, I, I was even thinking of that, that's in our country. Other countries, Iceland, uh, Netherlands, they put their shoes out uh, by the back door or by their fireplace, and, and if they're good, then Santa puts candy and toys in there. If they're bad, 
He actually puts rotten potatoes. That's even worse than coal. I didn't know that. And, and even in that, I was, I was looking this up, and I was looking for pictures, and I found, you know, some kids have figured this out, and they figured, if, hey, if Santa's going to put good stuff in our shoes, we might as well get as big of shoes as we can and kind of maximize this, play the system. And, uh, you know, but when we think of this, I think out of all the traditions, one of the oldest, one of the most meaningful is that of lights and Christmas lights that we think of, the lights that we put on our Christmas tree. Many of us have gone beyond that. Now we decorate outside of our house and we put the Christmas lights in our house and I think it's possible to take that too far. Every once in a while, you go past a house, and it's like, okay, that's, that's taking that too far. It's not my house, not my electric bill, so whatever you choose, but I wouldn't choose to do that. Now, even in that, the imagery of these lights, though, we think of electric lights, but it's something that actually goes beyond uh, and predates electricity. If you go back even before electricity, people still decorated their trees. They put lights on in many places, they put candles on them. Now, that seems dangerous to us now, and uh, we understand why they often decorated Christmas Eve and only lit them one time because the candles wouldn't last that long. But even then, there was an idea of lights. In many churches and many homes, candles have been part of the celebration of the Advent candles leading up to, and then Christmas Eve, lighting that Christ candle because of the imagery of Christ being the light that came into the world. Now, I think the reason that the imagery of light is so, so old, is so, has stuck with us for so long, is so popular in so many cultures, is because while many of the traditions are things that, for whatever reason that we've taken, we're not sure where they came from, this is one that really comes directly from the Bible and the story of Christmas. One of the most beautiful images that runs throughout the whole Christmas story is the image of Jesus coming as a light into a dark and confused world. Actually, it goes back to even before the Christmas story. You see uh, prophecies about the coming Messiah, and it uses this imagery. Isaiah chapter 9, for example, says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on, a, on them a light has shone. And speaking of the coming Messiah, there's going to be this great light that came into darkness. Another prophecy is in Luke chapter 1. Before Jesus was born, John the Baptist was born, and his father gave this prophecy about the soon-to-be-born Messiah. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. What an incredible image. Jesus isn't just this little light like the ones we put on our trees. He's, no, a sunrise that comes and gives light and just over, overwhelms the darkness. He gives a light that's not just pretty to look at, but literally gives light that will guide our feet in the ways of peace, Helps, help us to know how to make it through life. Now, the picture of, of Jesus' light isn't just limited, again, to prophecy. If you look at, then, the, the story and the, uh, the birth story in the Gospels, what we see is, again, this imagery. We just heard this story from, you know, from in the video, and, and part of that story is that Matthew, we're told that Jesus' birth was pronounced by a star that came into the sky, this great scar, star that guided the path of the wise men to the, to the baby Jesus. Matthew 2 tells us, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, we're not sure who these wise men were, 
there were probably more than three, and they were probably not kings. But the important thing is that there's, a, there's an image here. There's a, a meaning in the text. It's what we see from their example and how they responded to what they saw. They saw this new and unusual star, and they interpreted it to mean that a king had been born. And what it's telling us is that they, is it, you know, it tells us that they followed that star. We read in verse 11, and going into the house, they saw a child with Mary and his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And what it's saying is that these wise men, they saw a light, and they followed the light to where it led. And that's what wise people do. They look for the light, and they, lead, they follow it to where it led. And here, where it led them to Christ, where they then, the baby, they bowed down and they worshiped him. And when they worshiped, I don't think it meant that they sang. It's not that they came in and sang, you know, we, the three kings, Mori and our, we came to worship. You know, no, it's, I don't think that's what happened. You see, worship isn't just what we do in church and singing. It's coming into the presence of one that we recognize that is greater, and ultimately, it's an act of surrender. So they surrendered their time, and in giving the gifts, they surrendered of themselves because they acknowledged that this one, this baby who seemingly had no power, had, had nothing, they dropped to their knees and they say, we surrender because they recognized that he was someone greater than they were. And so there is an imagery there. The Gospel of John, Stevie read a few moments ago, and, and John, it tells us not the story of Jesus' birth, but it, he instead gives us the meaning of Jesus' coming. And it starts in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. It begins and tells us this story, and then it tells us, uh, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That all things were made from him. He was the designer and the creator, and therefore, he's the one who understood truth about us, about the way that we're to work, about what was to be at the center of our life. And that's the point that he continues in verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And this is the incredible news of Christmas, that Jesus has come as a light into this world. He didn't come into the world from the world. You see, if he was from the world and just had wisdom or whatever, he would still be limited by the same darkness, the same confusion that defined our world. But he is outside of the world. He is God. He is the creator who comes and brings a light that, that we could never discover on our own. He comes from the outside. It's this light that we desperately need. It leads us, it's the only light that will ultimately lead us out of our blindness, out of our confusion. But while it's a light that we all need, it's not a light that necessarily all, all welcome. Why? Because it's a light that exposes. It exposes our need. It exposes, yes, it, it gives us a solution but it also shows us that there's a need that we have sins that we have to, could be ashamed for. We're separated from God. And so many people react against that. But, in, but it also then shows us the solution. That's what it continues in John 1.9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made, th uh, the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And because the light exposed, there were some people that saw it and they rejected him. They, some failed to see him, others just rejected him. But for those who did recognize and received him, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, it's this light that when we receive him, he gives us a relationship with him, which in that relationship, we then have all the benefits of that light. We have the benefits of that relationship and of that light that helps us to understand life and to make it through life. So the question is, do you, 
Have you ever received him? Do you have that relationship? Now, I want to say even as we talk about this is that, um, you know, that there's all this imagery, and if you say, okay, well, it's there, and just in case you missed all this imagery, Jesus himself makes it even more clear. Because in John chapter 8 in his ministry, we're told that he said it as explicitly as possible. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, even as we talk about this imagery, I want to come back, though, and say, I don't want to be oversimplistic about this. I don't want to come idealistically. Uh, I want to realize that even if we accept Christ in our life, we bring him as our light, it doesn't mean that you will always know the right way, everything's going to go well. No, that's not the story of the Bible. It's not the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is that Jesus is the light who's come to give light into a dark world. But the fact is, is this side of eternity, we still live in that dark world where we will deal with the effects of what some of that darkness. There's still, still sickness and death and heartache and betrayal. We still have monster snowstorms. You know, we still have to deal with disappointments of, of this season and, and broken relationships in our family and family members who aren't here this Christmas. See, this is a reality that's even painted in the picture of Christmas itself. If you think about the story of Christmas, oftentimes we tell it and we kind of romanticize it and this wonderful story and it's this beautiful thing, but in the process, we can miss the darkness and the difficulty that is in the story there. See, Joseph and Mary, think about it. We're forced to go on this very difficult journey when, when Mary was, was almost to give, was due to give a birth to a child. They were likely rejected by both of their families. So because of Mary's unexpected pregnancy, and, and people didn't believe, and Mary, Joseph had a visit from the angel, but it's likely if you study the story, his family didn't believe him. They had been rejected by their families, and so now they come to Bethlehem, there's no place to stay. And that would be difficult under any circumstances, but in this circumstance, it's even more so. It's this crisis. And so the baby was delivered in a, in a stable, surrounded by animals, and, and this newborn baby was put into a feeding trough. There are going to be times in our lives that we'll have Christmases where we have the, you know, the warmth and joy of the Christmas light, where we have not only the direction, but the sense of the blessings that that brings. But there will also be times that in Christmas, in spite of that joy, in spite of that light, there's also going to be darkness and brokenness because we still live in that broken world. And if that's where you're at this Christmas, let me give you hope. The light of Christmas doesn't save us from darkness and difficulty. It saves us through that. So that even when you think of the Christmas story, you think of all those difficulties, and yet now, now, on the other side of the story, we see its beauty. Now we see its meaning. It wasn't always as clear in the midst of that. And in the same way God is bringing us through the story, he is still here with us, walking through as the light of our world. And we may, in the midst of those times, not fully understand, but because we know that God is loving and sovereign and in control, we can trust that he has a purpose that he will reveal in time. And because of his love, because of his light, we don't need to be the victims of the pain and disappointment and difficulty. It doesn't mean it goes away, but it means that God will love us and carry us through that time in such a way that he'll help us to see his provision, his meaning, and to find a joy that transcends, a light that guides us through those difficult times. 
And I began the message by talking about a flashlight. You know, we can try all these different combinations. I've got all these things, and that's why I haven't been able to see it work. And, and you're thinking, well, that's because, again, a AA and a C don't work in a battery that requires, well, and that's the problem is I don't know what it requires. Well, what do I need to do? I need to look at the instructions, in a sense, to go to the owner's manual. And it, and it says it right here. If you look on the inside, you know, it says, okay, it requires 2D batteries. When if I listen to that, well, I say, okay, well, now I've got, if I've got 2D batteries, and if I put those in, and I've put that on right, and, and um, you know, and I can figure out how to put the top back on, and, and uh, you know, suddenly, if I follow the instructions, and again, it's, if this idea works better in theory, right? I should get a new flashlight. Um, suddenly now, I've got a light. It works. And so, I, why? Because I follow the instructions. I, fa I follow it. Now, here's the idea. The flashlight tells me right there, this is the way it's designed. And in the same way, what I need to realize is that God has given me instructions. And, and if I want to find his light in my life, you know, I just, it, it isn't just a matter of just putting different things and hoping it works. You know, saying, God, what have you called me to do? And what does the designer say? Right there again in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And just like the flashlight by its design, it's designed so that only 2D batteries work. So in the same way, we are designed. The way the universe is designed, the way that our soul is designed, it's designed so that only a relationship with Christ at the core of our life will work. Only that will give us the light that we need. And it's not a matter of my opinion. It's not a, well, this is my light. You've got to find your own light. No, see, Jesus makes a, a, uni, uh, a unilateral statement here, a definitive statement. He says, I am the light of the world, meaning that either we have a relationship with him, and in doing so, we have light, or we do not have a relationship with him, and as a result, we do not have his light. That's the only light that there is. He has come as the light of the world. And see, the question is, whoever walks with, follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the question is, do you walk with him? Do you follow him? Do you have that relationship with him? To all who believes in him, he will give the right to become children of God.